This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am super excited to intro this upcoming episode. It is part of our 10-part series on paradoxical mindset and leadership. And Danielle and I had this fantastic conversation with Jessica Anastasio, a former U.S. figure skater and now coach and teacher and parent. And just she just had so much, so many thoughts about paradoxical leadership, leadership itself, the role of paradox and what she does with her students, parents, skaters, and others around this topic. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this one. As we were talking to Jessica after the episode, she shared with us um, a really special memory and an important person in her life. And so we wanted to make sure that we acknowledged um, Lisa Coppola, Um, and gave her a special thanks. Um, Jessica shared that Lisa has been an inspiration to her from the day she met her. She pushed Jessica out of her comfort zone and helped her to grow beyond what she ever thought she could be. She taught her the true meaning of determination and hard work, and she also taught Jessica how to fight through the hard times. There is not a day in Jessica's life that she walks through that she shared she doesn't use the skills that she, that this person, Lisa, taught her. And to help her remember who she is, she said that she wears a bracelet that Lisa gave her, and it's on her wrist every day um, and at work. She remembers it. It's a simple reminder for Jessica to have the courage to face the challenge of each day and to always believe in herself. Mm. That's just such a wonderful testament, and I think it really gives you a glimpse into who Jessica is, what she stands for, what she shares and honors in each of her students, and that includes her skaters, and also what she tries to impart to them. And you'll hear in this this interview what's really cool about the work that she's doing and the work we're trying to share with our audiences. There really are ripple effects, and she shares some examples of this. So take a close listen uh, sit down, snuggle in for a great conversation, go for a quiet walk or a run. Whatever you do while you listen to this podcast, I assure you, you will not be disappointed with this conversation. Mm-hmm. 
All right, welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am super excited. We are in the middle of our 10-part series on leadership and the paradoxical mindset. I am here with my co-host, Danielle Scarano. Hello, Danielle. Welcome. Hello. I'm excited for our guest today. Yes, me too. And I am your co-host, Carrie Borkowski, and we are here with Jessica Anastasio. Jessica, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for coming back. So for folks who have listened regularly, and if you haven't checked it out, you should definitely go back and look at season, listen to season two, Um, probably midway through Jessica graciously came on and talked to us. Um, Brianne and I chatted with her about her experience through the pandemic, both as a mom and a teacher. So we're just glad to have her back. So Jessica is going to probably wear multiple hats in today's conversation. Um, I didn't know this until I did a little bit more research and talked to Brianne a bit, but um, Jessica is a former U.S. figure skater, double gold medalist, a regional bronze medalist twice, sectional competitor, and she's coached competitively for 20 years. So over 27, almost 30 years of total uh, coaching. Um, In terms of leadership, she has led programs that include the International Summer Camp, um, Learn to Skate, and program development around homeschool skating, daycare field trips, and lessons and inner city program manager. Um, Jessica also coached a skater for the Special Olympics for three years, and it looks like she's still going on, maybe, Jessica? Yeah, and counting. Awesome. And as we talked about before, she is also a special education teacher for fifth and sixth graders after she taught middle school for four years. So Jessica, I, like I said, you know, nowadays we have Google at our fingertips. So when, when Brianne shared all of your accolades, I had to Google you and wow, that's amazing. <laughs> like I'm wow. I'm just so impressed. And when I told Danielle, we're going to have like a, a, a champion figure skater on our podcast, yeah. <laughs> we were, we were all super excited. So welcome again. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you for having me back. I'm so excited to be here with you and participate in this discussion. Yeah. So, so we really, as, as we've told um, our audience, we're really digging into this paradoxical mindset and, you know, Danielle and I are totally comfortable with taking this conversation wherever it may go. Um, We do think though, Jessica, that you have probably some really interesting insights on a couple of paradoxes that we've been thinking out, thinking about one of them, of course, I would imagine I've never been anything related to Olympics. So I can only imagine (laughs) that there's a paradox around sort of what I would call rigor and kindness, or maybe Mm -hmm. excellence and care. And when I say care, Jessica, I think it's really timely that we're having this conversation given all of the press around, you know, the summer Olympics and some of the women who step back um, for their own care. And so I would really love, and I think Danielle would too, to dig into mm-hmm. your perception of really managing and holding this rigor and level of excellence required at the Olympic level and also honoring the kindness and care piece of that. So that's, that's sort of where I'm going with the conversation, but again, I'm sort of open. Um, Danielle, I don't know if you have other places you want to go today or what your thinking is. I do. That is the the main one I think I'm most interested in. I do want to dive down the paradoxes that are inherent in mastery. Mm. I read Dr. Sarah Lewis's book last, I guess it was this over the past year called The Rise. And in the first chapter, she talks about the um, Columbia archery team and the intense focus and precision that's required. And also 
what happens when that archery team, someone archery player makes a mistake. And I would imagine that rigor and kindness is also inherent in that. So just to put that a seed in your brain, Jessica, I do, I will come back to that because I would imagine that archery and figure skating has that same level of precision. So I do mm-hmm. want to talk about that and just front load our audience about that um, yeah. part of the discussion as well. That's great. So Jessica, we always love to start out these conversations to sort of set a stage and some foundation for our listeners and really for Danielle and I ourselves as well, is when you think about leadership, you know, what is your definition of leadership or your conception of leadership? Um, well, first, I think that you guys must have read some of my notes because a lot of what <laughs> said um, are in my notes. In response to the We're just kindred thing. spirits already. <laughs> right? It's going to go well. Good. Um, in regards to leadership, I think leadership um, is really uh, an important a big piece. There's a lot of pieces to it. There's many facets. Um, And one, and I think the very most important one is being a role model Mm. Um, and what that role model is to the different people that you're working with. So in a school setting, it's uh, the student, it's the teachers, it's the faculty around you on the ice or in a sports setting. It is your student. Mm. always so the student is our center right um but it's also the other coaches around you your colleagues your parents um in figure skating it's very much also the people looking on the people that come and walk into the door that aren't necessarily involved in the sport but what does figure skating look like to the outsider to the spectator Mm. so it's it's really holding that role model position to the highest that you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And then I also think it's super important that you're understanding the multiple perspectives within your setting, taking responsibility of the climate um, that is around you and that you are in charge of, um, understanding the diverse needs of the people around you. And it's not, again, it's not just your student. It's also the colleagues you're working with and that, that all affects your student all comes back to that, the person you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, but the environment that you create is definitely going to impact your outcome in all ways. Absolutely. Um, So then the one other piece to consider or to just to keep in mind, um, and I, I find this from any leadership role is the inspiration piece. Hmm. You as a leader uh, have the ability to inspire those you're working with. You need to believe in them. They need to believe you that you believe in them. Um, and then standing behind them during the ups and downs. Um, mm-hmm. I have a favorite parent quote, actually, mm, that okay. ties to this um, because we're leaders as parents too, right? Yeah. Um, and it goes, a parent will only ever be in one of three places in front of you to cheer you on behind you to have your back or next to you. So you aren't walking alone. Mm. Oh my gosh. I just got chills like <laughs> mm-hmm. up my shoulders. That that's amazing. So yeah. I love the, I mean, I, Danielle and I have talked and I have talked to a few people and this idea of role model, I think it's come up, but it hasn't been explicitly stated. And so I'd love Jessica, if you're willing, can we dig into that a little bit more? Like when you say role model and you said it both as a, you know, an educator sort of teacher in the classroom, 
and also as a coach, like for, can you give our audience an example of like, when you say a good role model for like a skater, what is that? How do you show up as a good role model? Um, so that would begin with arriving on time, showing up, <laughs> being ready. Um, and in the, you know, putting my coach hat on in the figure skating world, there's, there's a warm up, there's a preparation. Mm. So you're not even walking in on time. You're walking in ahead of time. Um, <laughs> so that you have the time to get into the mindset, to be prepped and ready to go, um, to identify any obstacles that might be part of your day. You know, when you walk mm-hmm. into the rink, sometimes it's freezing. So we need extra layers on, uh, some days it's fine. Uh, there's other days that the ice hasn't been cut. And so, you know, you, you might want to add some extra pads because mm-hmm. you're going to fall down more and it's going to hurt because you're not going to slide. So just <laughs> things like that, you know, yeah. there's, there's preparation involved. Um, so one showing up, being ready, having a plan, mm-hmm. um, you know, having a goal for the day and a direction and, and stating that so that the student knows where you're going with your, with your day and mm-hmm. what's the expectations that are outlined. If you just kind of show up and like wing it, the kids are going to know, and it's going to be reflective in the long run in the, in goal achievement. Yeah. So just being prepared for each day. So are you, so are you one of those coaches that if I show up on time, I'm five minutes late? <laughs> no, on time on time is good. Okay, okay. Showing up to the lesson on time. Okay. However, I will say we we do know when kids are getting allowed. Look at them running, you know, or walking. That is so funny. I used to coach soccer, so I can hear all of this experience. It reminds me of you know, Coach Danielle on the soccer field with these girls. So I love those stories. What I appreciate most from you, Jessica, is. I, I see, and I feel this incredible level of self-awareness from you. Mm. And what I liked the most too, is when you talked about this multiple integration of multiple perspectives throughout every single relationship. And I heard initially when we were talking to you, it came up, oh yeah, that makes sense. Coach, student, student, coach, coach, player, or coach skater. And I, I appreciate that you brought in also the perspectives of the fans and the parents and the other coaches. Um, which does bring us to the question about paradoxes. We talked about paradoxes to you and you said you had them in your notes and I'm going to, well, actually I'll wait. Let me ask you a question about paradoxes first, because you talked about the environment and there's something very interestingly paradoxical about the environment and the way you interact with it. Um, I probably asked you a follow-up question about that. Um, it's, sort of just popped in my mind. And that's probably why I'm rambling on right now is because all of a sudden I realized, you know, here there is a paradox in inherent in environments. But when you think about paradoxes or paradoxical mindset, what role does paradox play into this definition of leadership and showing up as a role model and inspiring and in holding these multiple perspectives? So um, it's really important, I find, as a leader to understand the effectiveness of your training, of what you're going to to give to your student and what you're going to engage in. Um, So this involves the goal setting piece, um, but it also involves being aware of the paradox of more isn't always better. Mm. And that can, I can just continuously speak about that. Um, One from my experience as, a skater myself, mm-hmm. um, where I 
you know, wouldn't stop and kept going and kept going. And it ended up fracturing a leg um, mm-hmm. in a practice because it was like, I got to get this. I got to get this and kept going and going and pushing. And it was like, in my mind, I have to practice more until I get it. And, and then I, the result was injury. I didn't get the skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so eventually I did, but you know, I had to learn how to pace myself, but then also from the coach's perspective um, in while you're training the student one, measuring and being aware, bringing in that self-awareness of your, the state of mind that your students in, how tired are they? Are they nourished? Um, what's been their practice prior to that day and, and monitoring that for the appropriateness of the moment and what is needed on that day. So I think that there's a lot of thought that goes into that. You don't just show up to teach the skill for a half hour. There's, there's a lot of thought that goes into uh, working with each student to bring the most effectiveness. And if you can keep that more isn't always the best answer um, in front of you, then you're always asking that question of how's the student doing? Mm. Where are we at? What does the student need right now? Um, And to speak a little bit further without getting too far ahead, I hope not, um, is sometimes when you're working with the student in figure skating. So I've got this kid, they're working on an axle jump and an axle is like, it's like, uh, like a rite of passage, you know, mm-hmm. it's the first jump, it's a forward takeoff, which is makes it one of the hardest jumps that the student learns after their early on jumps, but it's also one and a half rotations. So it's the mm-hmm. first jump where you're going up forwards and you're landing backwards super hard can't even imagine. I'm like imagining that. I know. Like going up and falling down is all I can see. So. I get on skates and I fall. So this is incredible. Um, but when kids get to it and they get really close, the excitement, one in the arena, like the people around you are super excited. The kids super excited. You're super excited. And you're like, come on one more, like, let's do it. And you have to find that balance of like the excitement of in the moment and the motivation. And when is it too much that Mm. now we're doing harm We're, we're starting to alter some technique, or maybe we're starting a bad habit or they're getting tired mm. at what point are they going to get hurt so you yeah, measuring like in a happy moment measuring that motivation and then you're staying in your technical mindset and then in the well-being of the child like yeah. all of those pieces together I feel like it's a giant paradox that that's a lot right and what I was thinking about again I have no sort of sense of Olympic training I have done some coaching with field hockey And what I'm wondering about as you're talking about this more isn't always better, are the other people that you mentioned in in your first comment, like the parents, I just imagine that if I had a child that was Olympic caliber or at that level that, I mean, I hope I would be better, but I just have met enough parents where they think more is better. And so I'm wondering, can you just help like walk us through sort of How do you, I feel like it's a lot about managing expectation maybe. And so I'm wondering like, what are the kinds of conversations you're having with parents to say, you know, we're not going to train for six hours to get this axle on the first day. Like, what is, like, what does that look like? Right. So, um, being at the head of communication is just huge. So, Mm -hmm. and I feel like educating parents that are interested in that some, some, some might not be, Mm -hmm. but the, the parent that's thinking the more, the more 
is better or if you know I better hire more coaches or they better do more hours it's just really important to give them the knowledge base of what's safe Mm. and what's appropriate Um, and then also as you mentioned just managing the expectations and that might be just through mapping out um, a timeline of you know, this is, you know, we're going to be competing in November and these are the skills we need. So by, if I'm starting our training in January and I need X amount of skills by November. Okay. In February, these are the skills that I want to have mastered. And then in March, these are the skills. So just really breaking things down into smaller Mm -hmm. pieces that are more manageable, but then also being able to see how if I accomplish February, March, April, like all those goals, each step leads me to my final step. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really the the management of the expectations is is really huge. And then, and also, um, you know, it's not just in figure skating. Um, some people think the more ice time, the better. And it, it's not necessarily that like I can work on skills off the ice and build my strength and what other cross training pieces, what other pieces mm. are going to help me get to my goal that aren't necessarily just skating. Mm. Um, and that's going to keep my mind healthy, my body healthy. Um, and you're not, there's not that continuous pounding, repetitive pounding um, that takes place that can, that can hurt a a child or a student athlete. Yeah. So I, first of all, I'm inspired by all of the things that you are thinking about and integrating. I mean, when I was playing sports or just friends that are athletes, professional athletes, professional fitness instructors, the integration of mind, spirit, body is there. And I hear that um, when you are talking to parents or you're all, you are talking to other coaches or just your the skaters, I hear a lot of you're managing this short and long game when it comes to mastery. And mm-hmm. then drawing back to Dr. Sarah Lewis, she really says mastery isn't necessarily a, a success or a peak outcome. It's this ever continuous process. So how are you explicit in saying to a family or a skater saying, today's not your day? I know we had set out to like, to master the skill today or master this skill, um, this month, and we're just not there yet. So how do you manage that? And how do you explicitly focus on these paradoxes of the short and long game towards mastery of different skill sets on the ice? Sure. So I think what's really important here in this, I feel like I can really pull because I've had experience, um, one as the skater, but, uh, but also through my more from, from my coaching mm-hmm. is that when a, when a child or a student doesn't reach their goal, it, it isn't always the child. Sometimes it might be your approach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to become reflective in your coaching and maybe it's bringing another set of eyes in. Maybe it's um, changing that plan and readjusting that plan so that they can perform. Um, sometimes it's changing, you know, if you work out every, you know, if you bike ride for every single day for an hour, you know, all those muscles are going to, for bike riding are going to get super strong, right? But your muscles for rock climbing aren't necessarily going to match up. Mm-hmm. So 
throwing in some curveballs to change up that body and change how your body responds to the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I speak to the experience piece of knowing like, okay, this kid's not responding and we're going to enter a land of frustration and always. So what am I going to do to, to, to change up things a little bit and where can I redirect us so that we're getting the results we want. And sometimes that might involve a weekend off. Yeah. Rest the body. You know, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now Danielle, I officially want Jessica to coach my kids in anything. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter what, just, just coach them in something. So, so Jessica, when I opened the podcast, I shared that I was going to focus on, you know, uh, rigor and kindness or excellence and, um, you know, care and, as you were speaking, and I just, I agree with Danielle, your ability to reflect on your own work and process is so impressive. And it's again, why we wanted to have you back on the podcast. You made me think that you are also, whether it's you, you're conscious or not, you're also wrestling with this idea of a paradox of novice and expert, because what I'm hearing you say is, and I would imagine that people you know, besides being just a really wonderful human being, I would imagine that people bring their child to you for coaching because of some expertise, right? I mean, with your experience as a skater and just with that skating community, period. And yet I heard you say that sometimes you realize that the plan that you devised as an expert doesn't work. And so what does that feel like for you to grapple with that. And then how do you communicate that out? Right. Like, I guess if you hear, if, does that make sense as a question? Absolutely makes yeah. sense. Yes. So before, before I take on students, that's usually part of my discussion with parents. Like this mm. is my plan. If it's not going to work, we're going to readdress this and we're going to change courses. And these are the things that I will entertain. So one, like putting that out there before you even begin um, from a professional standpoint, I have found that that is best. Um, So that's one thing. And it, it helps you because you don't, you just don't know how a kid's going to grow and perform. Um, There's so many variables that come into play. Um, and then sometimes you get, you have these curveballs of the expected practice. And then suddenly, you know, Susie wants to do the school play. And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, okay. I'm all in on that school play, but now we do need to adjust our goals because, yeah. you know, you're going from skating five days a week to now two, mm. you know, so mm-hmm. there's, you know, that readjustment time. So just again, that, that communication piece and getting in front of that. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it's important for the students to see that they're unique and it brings in that self-awareness of what, what their body needs and how they're performing the skill um, to say that, okay, the way I'm saying it might not be what's helping your, you helping to make the connections. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know... What does coach Donna say? Um, how, what are her words, mm-hmm. you know? And then, so being in the moment, owning that, like my words aren't working, um, what words might work for you. But um, then as, as I mentioned, I think one of the other important pieces is bringing the kid and the students into the, into the learning, mm-hmm. um, 
you just, if, if, if students understand, again, I'm going to go back to the axle and be a little technical. It's okay. But, you know, if you, you're teaching a student this jump, right, they go up and they're super close in to landing this jump and you go, okay, what did you feel? Did you feel yourself squeezed? Did you feel your legs tighten? Um, did you feel the step up into the jump? These are all technical things. Of yeah. the jump, right. And the kid's like, I don't know. I just did it. Mm. Right. So then you bring it back like, okay, so we were a little lucky. Let's go back. Let's do a walkthrough of this jump. And that's what we do where they don't really do the element. They walk through the steps of it. Mm. Um, and then you talk about, okay, now when you go to try this, I want you to feel how tight you're squeezing. And then they go and try it again. And now you know that they can do it. They often start to make that connection. And then this teaches them like, oh, when I push and take off for this jump, I really need to squeeze tight or my ankles need to be tight or I yeah. need to my left knee more, whatever it cool. is. Like it brings that, that men metacognitive state yeah. Um, into action. Yeah. So I know Danielle is probably almost flying off of her seat because she wants to desperately ask you a question about feedback. I'm going to make her yeah. wait just one more minute because <laughs> I, I, I actually want to ask you, because you mentioned recognizing that maybe the words you're using or someone else is using is not working. And so handing it off to someone, what I'm really interested in, Jessica, is what were, what was going on with you before you reached that that stage where you're able to recognize that maybe I don't have the answers. Like I, I imagine there was a moment of wrestling with being an expert and a novice. How did, like, where were you and how did you sort of start to make that transformation? If that makes sense. I, that, it definitely makes sense, but I'm going to actually say that I had some great leaders. Mm. My coaches did this and okay. my coaches practiced this. Awesome. Um, and um, they, they taught a lot of great people. So wow. when they didn't have answers, they brought people in okay. um, and I brought that to my practice. So That's it awesome. wasn't a really difficult thing for, yeah. for me to do. <laughs> Thank tell you. Us, actually, tell us more about that. I'd like to get a little more context. I grew up with some really amazing coaches um, when I played soccer and I grew up with some coaches that I didn't really necessarily connect with. So for you, what was that like? Was, was, paradoxical thinking or were these effective skill sets of leaders modeled to you and you pick them up? Um, I would imagine as a competitive figure skater, you would have to go through that process in order to wrestle with, with all of the challenges that you're teaching now your students and your skaters. So what was that like for you growing up with, with the leaders that you interacted with? Um, so it worked out well with the leaders that I interacted with because with the group that I, I particularly was in, um, we all had, they all had the same technique or very similar techniques, which was huge. Um, and this actually was really different than what I moved to as a coach. Um, when I moved actually down, um, as, as a coach, I, there was a, a European way of coaching, um, and a, and a style of jumping and an American way of jumping and, and style of coaching. Um, so that, that became my own paradox in itself <laughs> of, you know, one sorting through the different techniques, which techniques better do you 
you know, you're, you, I was raised with the American technique. So do you, um, mm. you know, entertain the idea of a European strategy? Is that going to confuse the child? So, you know, finding that balance um, was definitely, definitely tricky and definitely um, applied to different students and also one being open-minded, like what skill can we use from that technique mm. and with my technique and mesh it together. Mm. So that I would say that like I started to play with that. Um, but from the leaders and the, the coaches that I had, I, I feel like they were um, they were ahead of their times. There was a lot of coaches that followed um, after them. They were setting the stage for one, the conditioning, the off ice training, the, um, you know, bringing a sports psychologist in for for students to work with um, mindfulness. I did mindfulness when I was um, 16 years old or 15 years old. Like that was a long time ago. Like I, there wasn't even the word mindfulness. Like yeah. that's not what they called it then. It was just what, now that I know what mindfulness is, <laughs> doing. I'm like, wow, like Evie, he was so ahead of his time, you know? Aww. So like that, that's pretty neat. And I'm not really sure if I answered your question, but. (laughs) Well, I just, I keep hearing you did first. Okay. And, and of course, living a paradox. Yes. You answered my question and I want to know more. And I also am a special educator. I teach students with dyslexia and language-based learning disabilities who have come failing to learn to read and they have an exorbitant amount of strengths and talents. And as you're interacting with a number of students from the classroom to on the ice, students come with strengths and they come with challenges. And I've done a lot of diving into the role of feedback for students. And you talked about giving feedback about mastering an axle. There's also this element of feedback that that really helps with motivation and encouragement and really tapping into that social emotional piece. So I'm just curious what the role or just maybe how you operationalize feedback to students to help them see their goals or to actualize their strengths and to, you know, tap into whatever they have in order to um, really get beyond the adversity at hand. So tell us more about your feedback process. Yes. Um, I love that question. Um, one, whenever I'm working with students um, to this day, in the moment, I'm looking for the strength. Where are they shining? Like that, that's like, you want to walk away or be in the moment of saying like, I really like how you um, had so many great ideas and how you planned out before you began to do your writing today. Mm-hmm. Or um, if my students on the ice and they're, they're, we're getting ready for practice. I really liked how you used your warm up skills to get yourself prepped for this element or this skill, or if they do a program, like always starting with the strength and the positive. Um, but then when you're using, as far as like the corrective feedback, um, you know, sometimes you can use the error to help them learn, um, and almost feel like, oh, okay. Like, um, 
I have a student that that really loves to spin and is a really fast spinner. Um, and when they're rotating, they when they're doing jumps, they need to learn when to check out. Like, okay, you've rotated one and a half, it's time to land. Mm-hmm. Um, so some students were like, I know, like you are such an amazing spinner that it's really hard to find where one and a half rotations is. Mm-hmm. But these are the these are the things we're gonna do to help you so you learn where one and a half is. So then giving them those skill practice, those skills to um, teach into that, to what they need, if that makes sense. Um, But I think what's also really important is that students aren't making errors on purpose. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think this is just huge to me. um, And from the parent lens too, like I, you know, some, my, my children have received some feedback that I've been like, really? Like coach, that didn't help. Mm-hmm. Like, where should he, where should he be to make that play or, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I think it's super important that you as a coach, like you might inside have, have a feeling or something you want to say, but be mature and responsible and understand that you have an impressionable mind in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you are, this is a, this is a student that has you on a pedestal and you need to protect that. Mm-hmm. So keep it keep it more productive in your feedback rather than, than making it like you weren't ready, you weren't prepared. Mm. Um, and I've seen some really good coaching, um, again, from again, watching on the sidelines with my son, um, they both play baseball and this one coach saying like, all right, I, you know, when you're, if, a, if, a you know, the ball's coming at them, they're in, you know, the infield and they're, they're not quite ready. It's like, all right, have your glove up. Like, that's the correction. Not like, why wasn't your glove up? Or, you're not ready. You know, it's like, have the glove ready. And I might be totally botching baseball, but <laughs> you're not, I'm, I'm following you. So you must be saying enough that it makes sense. So mm-hmm. I just wrote down and I feel like you should trademark this, Jessica, students aren't making errors on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I mean, that's huge. Like if we all could take that in as educators, as parents, as neighbors, as friends, as coaches, students aren't making errors on purpose. Yeah. I mean, I just love, I love that. And I'm so glad that Danielle asked about feedback because, you know, feedback, you've talked about managing expectations and connections. And, you know, you even said at the beginning, meeting their diverse needs and the uniqueness. And I have always thought that we often miss the opportunity to make those connections through feedback. You know, we forget that feedback isn't just a corrective thing, that it's a conversation, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And another, yeah, another way to really get to know your student or your colleague or whomever. So I love, I love, love, love what you said about feedback. And I want to ask you, and I sort of alluded to it a little bit, I'm wondering sort of what impact do you think you know, managing these paradoxes and the work that you do has on your students. And this could be students in a classroom or students on a, on a ice skating rink, however you want to define it. Like, how does it um, affect their perception of belonging in these spaces? Mm. Um, so this is a really good question because in, in bringing it to the, the coaching lens, when I have students that come to me, um, some students come looking to be competitive and some are looking for a recreational experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and this belonging piece is super important because there can be quite a divide, especially on, on the ice or on the field 
Um, so like in the moment on the ice, like, oh, well, I'm competitive, so you should get out of my way, right? Mm. So these things happen, this, this really um, can influence our climate in a really negative way. So one, un, you know, I really believe strongly in that my competitive kids, they train with my recreational kids. They might not train every day with them, mm-hmm. but when I have off ice for my competitive kids, my recreational kids are right there with them and they're all learning together. Mm-hmm. And one I can teach to that by one, some of my competitive kids, putting them in some leadership roles. And two, sometimes the recreational student is stepping up and starting to, to push the competitive <laughs> kids, you yeah. know? So it's, if you can, if you can kind of see, and if you know your students well enough, you can really um, work with, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just super important because there is a lot of, um, self-perception of I'm not good enough or like, mm-hmm. I'm, oh, I'm not going to get picked to do that show because I'm just recreational. And it's like, no, absolutely not. Like you absolutely can sign up and to see if you can get into the show or be in that number. Like, why not? If that's what you want. So mm-hmm really constantly being aware of your student's state of mind Mm -hmm. um, and and how they're perceiving themselves and in figure skating, you know, it's predominantly, or I worked with predominantly females. I did have some male students, a few, Mm -hmm. um, but, but vastly female. So I was very um, protective of um, who they thought they were as young women, um, Mm -hmm. especially after you know, age 10, because it's things start to spiral after that. Um, and for me, um, the one, one of a precious piece of figure skating is that, um, you know, at school, they have to go to school. They don't have to go to figure skating. Mm -hmm. So I felt so lucky because I'd have this child in front of me with dreams and ideas and goals and expectations. And it was one place that I could, I could foster and develop and create with them. and it wasn't like a push to do something that they didn't want to do. Mm. Um, so that's pretty special and you can do a lot with that. Yeah. I keep closing my eyes as you're talking because I have never seen you coach, but I could just imagine exactly how you coach. And I also want to know more, <laughs> you know, as a fellow teacher, as a fellow educator, as someone who has coached children from a lot of different ages on, on sports fields. I want to know strategies. How do you, as a, you are a daring leader, Jessica, I see it. Um, I hear it. And I, you heard you, I heard you say that you create a climate and I would imagine that you're not, you know, I would love to clone you and just be in all these different places on the skating <laughs> ice, but you talked about too, that you, and some of these competitive skaters, you're giving them leadership roles. So you know, how are you promoting that agency and that ownership and that shared community of belonging amongst fellow coaches, parents, and students who are then becoming leaders? So um, that, I like that question too. <laughs> uh, one, because I have um, two students that have become um, competitive coaches. Mm-hmm. And oh, cool. I- be more proud of who they've become as coaches, the accomplishments. Um, and they, they send me lots of really nice, kind notes. Um, and I love that they keep me, they send me videos of their kids, like regularly, like, Hey, I got this job or, you know, they keep me in the loop. So, um, I think it's really important 
one, I have a passion for figure skating. I think it's super special. Um, there's nothing like being able to be on the ice and glide across the ice and mm. what that can give you. Two, um, what can sport give you? Um, sport gives you goal setting. It gives you practice. It gives you um, different, it, it gives you an outlet. Um, it gives you different people to belong with. Um, that it gives you so much time management. Um, it, it, it taps into determination and motivation and, and what do you really want? So there's that piece. Um, and I'm getting away from all of the things that I really wanted to say. <laughs> it's okay. You're doing great. I wrote down, I mean, it's awesome. The passion, the goal setting, the time management, the determination. I was even thinking, Jessica, when you described the really specific feedback that you give for the axle, I was thinking it's almost like, and I don't know what the, the sort of medical technical term would be, but it's really, I mean, to be, you know, 10 or 11 and being that in tune with my body like, that's really cool that you're telling them, like, notice how your ankles or your, I forget what you were saying, like your, your legs are tightened and whether or not, you know, that that's huge as a young person to have that much intuition around your own body. So I don't know. And especially yeah. for women, I think there's such a, there's research and data and stories about how girls and women grow up and they're told by so many different societal pressures not to know their body, to lose the knowing on their body. So I echo that Carrie. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's really powerful that you're doing that kind of work. So you got a lot going on on that, that skating rink, Jessica, not just teaching them how to do an axle. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Very, very cool. Um, so Danielle, did you have any other questions? I just, again, want to comment, let, we can clone Jessica and clone the skating rinks and then <laughs> We'll just, <laughs> I just want to come visit and see. Yeah, practice, I don't, really. I don't even know if I want the clone. Honestly, I think I'm just going to go grab Jessica and bring her to Massachusetts and do some <laughs> coaching with my kids. <laughs> anytime. So awesome. Anytime. That I would think be. <laughs> every, everyone should learn how to skate. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, last week I, I got to work with a little boy, uh, a nonverbal student with autism. Um, and all he wanted to do was climb and he was so strong and flexible and he really liked yoga. And, um, I was just thinking like, I'd love to teach this kid how to skate, like oh, he'd pick so it up cool. like this. Like I could see that. Yeah. And, and yeah like yeah. it would be neat to, uh, I have worked with another nonverbal student on the ice before and just giving them that, that different, mm. um, skill to experience and the the mimicking that this you know particular students um learning the way he learns he is he mimics a lot like he would learn so much and it probably would be so good for this student mm, yeah. that's you know? cool yeah, yeah I never I mean until I had a chance to speak with you Jessica I never really thought about sort of the act of figure skating and learning how to, like there's so many senses involved in that right and like for someone who's nonverbal, what a wonderful opportunity to tap into those other senses, right? I mean, just talk, just when you described in the beginning, the ice might be freezing one day and you got to wear more or not like that, that in and of itself and then your body. So what a great opportunity for these students for yeah. sure. Definitely. Yeah. I have a, a question actually, as you're talking and that rem it reminded me, Carrie, when you and um, opened up the interview speaking about the Olympic gymnastics team. Mm. And we saw this incredible need for the foundational, what's the word, 
just the foundational focus on the, on, for self-care. And so what advice would you give to parents and coaches and educators of any child, you know, going through a, someone who, of a child who is a competitive athlete, who is an Olympic athlete, or just any child that's in pursuit of something that's towards mastery, um, even just any developing child. But I think just more of a focus on this, on the, the children that are invested in highly competitive sports like figure skating or like gymnastics? So I think it's really important for the message to be what's the end game. Mm-hmm. And the end game is, is what are you, what do you want from sport? What do you, what, whatever it be, whether it be gymnastics, figure skating, equestrian, hockey, whatever it be, what are the things that you're looking to gain? And that would be, it's the process right? The process of the preparation, the goal planning, uh, the communication that's involved. There are gazillions of life skills that are tied to sport and sport experience that I think are so valuable. And And I can tie this to the belonging piece. And it's why it's so important that you don't have to be competitive to, to gain so much out of sports, you know, like even just the recreational experience of the time management, I show up at this time, we do stretches, and then we, the structure that's laid out, the routines that are involved. Um, There are so many pieces that are so very important for regardless of a medal, regardless of where you want to go. I mean, I, I didn't accomplish my goals. I wanted to be a national competitor and I was really close, but I never got there. Um, but I have no regrets in my experiences because I learned the definition of hard work. Mm -hmm. I learned what it's like to fall down and get up over and over and over again. I've learned determination. I've learned how to work with different people. I've learned to listen to different minds. Um, In all of these things, when I work with a student, um, I want my students to walk away with those same lessons. Mm. And so I think it's just so important. and And I, going into a competitive season, you never know what's going to happen. You know, there's skaters <laughs> mm-hmm. that come from California that suddenly are representing um, Boston and now they're in your competition field. And now it's like, well, wait a minute. Now I'm not the, you know, the top four. There's these three other skaters that, that have come in and now I've bumped down. Mm-hmm. So you, you just never know. You might get injured right before competition, right? So I always want to have that, um, open idea that the process is more important than your outcome. Um, you know, love that (laughs) you're you're speaking our language there, Jessica, we, we definitely agree with you on that. So, um, I, I think as we wind down the, the interview, we always love to give our guests an opportunity to share if there's anything that we didn't cover or we didn't ask you, or you didn't have a chance to sort of say, is there any, I don't know, last, last message you'd like to share with our audience? Um, there's two things. One Great. that I wrote down, awesome. um, <laughs> the measure of success. Um, what, what is one person's uh, failure is another person's success. Mm. So I think that's important. Um, 
you know, me coming in, uh, making the final rounds to compete in the final round might be a success to somebody. It might be their, their failure. Um, so one, it's, it's really important to, um, acknowledge again, the process and all the accomplishments along the way. Um, cause everybody has different ideas of what success are and, and it's not, anybody's other right to uh, judge the success, mm. right? It's what you feel inside. Um, the other piece that I think is, is super important is that in, a, in the coach and leadership role, and I think, I think more in the coach role versus um, even the leadership role. Um, well, I mean, coach and leadership go hand in hand, but I, the coaches in working with children, there's, there's an important relationship that needs to be protected. There's, there's power in coaching Mm -hmm. and you, it's really important to understand your power and your influence and uh, making sure you're appropriate and you're understanding the, um, who you have in front of you, who you, who these impressionable people, like you can tell a student that, oh, like they're too heavy to land that jump. And now this student is anorexic and mm. not eating and they've got they've got a lifelong battle in front of them, yeah. right? So there's so many things that, um, that coaches can um, influence and it's just super important that they understand. Um, and I ask coaches to take responsibility for the power they hold and, and make it positive and understand that they have a life in front of them. And they might only interact with this person for six months, but those six months, they can really be influential. And, and regardless of the outcome that you have, you have a human being in front of you that has the rest of their life to live. So keep that in mind. Oof. That. <laughs> that was awesome. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's such a good reminder that words can have so much power depending on who says them and who delivers them. So it's really, really, really important message, Jessica, for anyone really. I mean, whether you're a coach, a leader, a teacher, a parent, anyone who's a, I feel like any adult child relationship, there's some sort of power dynamic at play there. So I really appreciate that. I definitely do as well. I think there's a vulnerability though Mm. in in the coach setting because there's kind of like with the school situation, like, you have to go to school, right? But you don't have to play that sport. And so Mm -hmm. the vulnerability is that you have a child's dream in their hands Mm. and what they will do to accomplish that dream. Yeah. That's very, very well said. Yeah. So protect it. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. So, well, Danielle and Jessica, this has been an amazing conversation. And Jessica, I just want to thank you um, for coming on and being so honest and sharing such great stories. This, for me, this is just another lesson and reminder of leadership shows up everywhere that, you know, unfortunately we often have leadership courses and I'm using air quotes that focus on, you know, uh, boardrooms and nonprofit organizations and sort of people that have leader after their name. And, you know, you are a testament that leadership shows up in all different places and all different spaces. And the work that you're doing is so, so important. And it sounds like you're having such an amazing ripple effect on your students and the parents and the organization. So thank you for coming on the podcast. 
And thank you for all the great work you're doing out in the world. Seriously, Jessica, it's really, really impressive. And I'm grateful that I know you. So so. likewise, same here. Thank you for having me and thank you for all the great work you're doing. Absolutely. So Danielle, it was a pleasure again, my co-host. So inspired motivation Monday. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, Jessica and Danielle, thank you. This has been another episode of tell me this, the leadership and paradox mindset, um, paradox playlist. So thanks everybody for listening and take care. So sincere under the glaciers your last year to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.